Coral Ridge, we often talk about worldview and biblical foundations. This morning, briefly, I want to talk about what it means to have a biblical foundation for life. At Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, we believe unashamedly, unapologetically, that all human life from the moment of conception has intrinsic value because they are made in the image of God. To help us form a biblical foundation of life or a biblical worldview concerning human life, I want us to look at the foundational text of Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we see the foundational teaching of the image of God in all human life, what theologians have called the Imago Dei. Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, if God said it, we should pay attention. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock and over all earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. On December 7th, 1941, President Franklin Roosevelt stood before Congress and in light of the bombing of Pearl Harbor that left 2,400 dead, he declared that this day would be a day that lives in infamy. January 22nd, 1973 will be a day that lives in infamy. For it was on that day 49 years ago that the United States Supreme Court legalized abortion on demand in all states of our union. And 49 years later, and 60 million babies murdered, how do the people of God respond? The people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, responds as we've always responded because we're people of the book. And so we go back to God's word to inform our response concerning this cultural moment, and in particular, this attack on human life and dignity, a biblical foundation for human life. Two foundational truths are found here in Genesis chapter one that help inform a biblical foundation for human life or a biblical worldview for human life. The first is this, the first foundational truth, number one, the sanctity of all human life. In verses 26 and 27, God reveals that there is something different, something special, something about human life that will set them apart from all other creation, from all other created beings. 
And it is this foundational truth of the image of God. It is the doctrine of the image of God in all human beings that makes all human life sacred without exception. You see, our culture says there are a hundred different ways in which you find value, in which you make your life worthy, in which you find intrinsic value in your life, but it is the image of God in all people alone that helps us understand our self-worth and our value. The reality that the God that created the heavens and the earth has fashioned you and created you in his image is what makes all human life sacred and what makes you different from all other creation. But, but did you catch the image of God and, and, and how it separates us? God says, I will create you in my image so that you will be like God. I mean, allow that to blow your mind, that he would look upon human beings and that he would say, I want you to be like me so that you would never forget that there is something sacred and something special, that you are created with a moral compass to reflect the God who created the heavens and the earth. And this very doctrine, this very truth would separate you from all other creation. But it is this truth embedded in all human beings Regardless of worldview, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of social status, it is the great equalizer that makes all human life sacred and all human beings equal to one another. And, and what's amazing to me is that this truth of the image of God in all human beings is so ingrained in each one of us that it doesn't matter what you believe this morning that deep down inside, you believe this to be true, case in point. Maybe you found yourself watching Animal Planet or the Discovery Channel. And, and you know those shows that have the, the gazelles running through the field and out of nowhere, the pride of lions come out and attack the gazelles and tear them apart and you can kind of see the, uh, the, 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 the survival of the fittest. Well, no single person, at least I know of, ever calls Animal Planet and says, this is an atrocity. You must take down this show immediately. But if you were to walk onto Federal Highway this afternoon and see another human being take another human being's life, you would cry outrage. Why? Because deep down inside of every human being, you understand that there is something sacred, there is something different, there is something that distinguishes human beings and it is the doctrine of the image of God that makes all human life sacred without exception. 2,000 years ago, this changed and transformed the, the Roman Greco world. There is no other explanation that in the midst of a Roman pagan empire that you saw the slow uh, the slow um, uh, legalization or the illegalization of abortion, infanticide. You saw women's rights and children's rights restored and established in the Roman Empire. You saw widows cared for and orphans cared for. Why? Because of the image of God in all human beings promoted and declared and taught by the church. You see, this is the objective truth 
that informs our biblical foundation of life. Everything else is just words and propaganda. We are people of the book. And in the midst of such atrocity, we need to go back to the book to inform our thinking and inform our action concerning human life. The sanctity of all human life grounded in the foundational truth that all people are created in God's image. But here's the second foundational truth, and this is so important. Because not only does Genesis tell us about the sanctity of all human life, but it actually informs when human life begins. And this is critical because you might be here today or know somebody that would agree with everything that's been said so far in this sermon. Yes, all human life is sacred. But the question really is, when does human life begin? And what we read in verses 26 and 27 tells us about the beginning of all human life. And this is what it says in plain language. God made them and created them. Now, God doesn't make and create something outside of the womb that would be absurd. We clearly understand that that God is revealing to us that he makes us and creates us in the womb. And when does the image of God get put on an individual? Outside of the womb? Does God allow a child to be born and then he says, my image will be bestowed upon you? You will be marked by my image? Nobody believes that. Now, we are told in Genesis chapter 1 that personhood, that the image of God, that God fashions and creates and makes in the womb with his image, meaning that personhood begins not after birth, but at the moment of conception. Psalm 139, verse 13, a passage many of you are familiar with. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God is speaking about the personhood being established from the moment of conception. It is not outside of the womb. It is not once a child is able to rationalize. It is not while a child is able to talk or walk. It is a person from the moment of conception. This is the truth. And here's the problem. The motto of our culture is my body, my choice. It's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Because if it is true that all human life is sacred because they've been created in the image of God and personhood begins in the womb, that is not your body. It is not your body your choice. That is another body that exists inside another body. Now, some of you say, yes, but science disagrees. Oh, really? We've established in the word that personhood begins at conception, but look at the science for all the skeptics that say the Bible and science and medicine do not correlate at eight weeks of age. The baby in the womb at eight weeks. The baby in the womb can suck its thumb, can feel pain, respond to sound. The brain is active. The heart is pumping. The kidneys are producing cleansing fluid throughout the body. And we know at 21 weeks of age that the baby can survive outside the womb. It is the word of God, special revelation, and science and medicine general revelation that tell us that this is not your body. And if it's another body, 
sacred from the moment of conception, it teaches us this foundational truth for life that we do not kill babies, period. The pro-choice movement is nothing more than demonic propaganda wrapped in the virtue of personal liberty. And we as the people of God need to stand up and proclaim the truth. The sanctity of all human life, the beginning of all human life, two foundational truths that give us a biblical foundation for all human life. So how do we respond this morning? I wanna give you a few points of practical application. If this is true, that human life is sacred from the moment of conception, then the first thing that we can do this morning is get involved. We have provided you, as you have heard, so many resources this morning. There is no excuse from our teenagers to our most senior adults. You can get involved. You can give, you can serve, you can fill out a petition, you can pray, but get engaged get involved. We've given you opportunities to volunteer, give, vote, serve. Why is this important to get involved? Because the people of God for far too long have shaked their fist at the darkness and done nothing about it. And you can go on and you can complain all you want about abortion and the pro-choice movement, but until you actually do something about it, we have no right to speak. Get up, not tomorrow, but today and respond. Be a beacon of hope and light in the midst of darkness. One, get involved today. Two, know the facts. Every year I preach on this issue in particular, it is amazing Monday morning, the amount of people that go, are you sure about these numbers? Can you send me the sources? Can you verify the statistics? As if they just didn't know. And that's part of the problem the ignorance of the North American church to what is really happening. 60 million babies. Did you know 92% of Down syndrome babies are aborted? 92% of Down syndrome babies are aborted because the mother and father say they are unwanted in society. We've been talking about a pandemic, haven't we, the last two years? Just in 2021, 1.8 million people lost their life to COVID in one year. Do you know how many babies lost their life to abortion last year globally? 46 million. That, my friends, is a global pandemic. Be informed, know the facts, and do something about it. Third and lastly, and most importantly, be a church that offers the hope of Jesus Christ. Hope and forgiveness is found nowhere else but the cross of Christ. If the statistics are true, one in four women have had an abortion. That means there is someone here today or watching at home that has either had an abortion or is currently contemplating abortion. Hear me, this church loves you. I love you, and there is hope and forgiveness found nowhere else but by the cross of Jesus Christ. And so I plead with you, 
if you are counted in that group. Maybe you are a father that has participated and aided and you are longing for forgiveness. The message of the cross is you no longer have to carry that burden and shame. So would you come and receive forgiveness? Maybe you're contemplating abortion. Would you come and talk to one of our pastors, counselors, ministries that we've provided? There is real hope for you, regardless of what you're facing this morning. She was a Catholic nun. In the 1980s, she was arrested, prosecuted by Janet Reno. She used to conduct sit-ins at abortion clinics all across Florida. And because of her refusal to relent, she was arrested, prosecuted and arrested. The judge or the prosecutor suggested one year. The judge gave her five years in prison just to make a statement. She was interviewed in prison and she was asked, why would you do this? Why risk everything? Five years of imprisonment for this cause. And she said very simply, when I was seven years old, my brother and I were playing outside and there was a river. My brother tragically fell into the river and he was being swept away. And I remember standing there overwhelmed by fear because I couldn't swim. But then in a moment, I was struck by a greater fear, the fear of doing nothing. And so I jumped in and saved my brother's life. And from that day forward, I determined, I was determined to not sit back and do nothing. That fear gripped me more than any other fear. Coleridge Presbyterian Church, in the face of the monstrous evil of abortion, will you sit there and do nothing? Or will the fear of doing nothing grip you to say, yes, I will stand in the gap. Yes, I will carry the flag. Is there another group more persecuted? Is there a group that is more vulnerable? than the unborn. If it is so, what will your answer be today? May you be motivated by the good news of Jesus Christ, gripped by that fear of doing nothing, and say, yes, today is the day that I will answer the call to carry the flag and to bring life into this culture of death. And may it be so. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, today is a day where we gather and we mourn 60 million babies just in our nation, murdered. But as we've already heard it said, the church is the hope of the world. It is the church that brings salt and light It is the church alone that offers a message of forgiveness and hope. And so may the radical message of the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ so grip the people of Coleridge Presbyterian Church that real transformation and kingdom advancement happens 
so that our children and our grandchildren one day are walking the streets of South Florida and abortion is such a thing of the past that they can't even fathom something so barbaric. May it be so. Because we not only want to see abortion being illegal in this nation, we want it to be unthinkable. Father, for those that are here this morning and watching online, that are covered carrying the great weight of sin and shame of previous decisions. May they know that the gospel declares that they no longer have to wear a scarlet letter, that they no longer have to carry the burden of previous decisions, that we are here today to declare that there is full and complete forgiveness. May they receive it today so that they would trust in Jesus Christ and begin again, that they would understand that in Jesus alone, that they are a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. May there be hundreds of testimonies today of men and women that receive the full forgiveness of Jesus Christ, receive his good news and are freed from it. And may we, the people of God, be moved be bearers of truth, taking light into the darkness of our world, promoting a culture of love and life and advancing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.